Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. I'd like for everyone to open your Bible to the book of John as we continue on our series titled The Exalted Christ. The Exalted Christ. And um, the title of today's message is the third sign. I know that last week we covered the second sign, and I want to uh, reemphasize that the book of John is unique in regards to the miracles of Christ. The book of John only has eight miracles that are recorded, and each of those miracles is not called a miracle. It's actually called a sign. The reason that it's called a sign is because even though it was a miracle, it was also a miracle that had a built-in lesson. So each time in the book of John that a miracle takes place, a lesson is also being taught. When you look in the other Gospels... It's uh, uh, very often there's a, just a magnificent and glorious display of the power of God uh, to meet someone's need of one type or another. But this is very deliberate. The reason that the book of John is the exalted Christ is because the book of John is teaching us, yes, God took on human flesh. That's what we're celebrating. We'll start a Christmas series next week. The, the son of the most high God was born of a virgin. He came and took on the form of man. But how many know he was fully God? And he rose from the dead in power. And so it is very important that we see him for who he is in the fullness of who he is. And so we're going to be looking at a lesson that, that really teaches us or should I say has a lot to do with one of our most basic views of God. And what he does is he addresses uh, uh, some of the most fundamental issues of our lives to teach us a lesson. Today, this passage is going to talk about work and rest. Everybody hopefully works and everybody knows we have to rest. We need a little bit of both. Amen? And... Um, and these are very important things to our lives. They are, the Bible talks a lot about work and the Bible talks a lot about rest. And so I, I need to say a lot of introductory things today. The message is only two points. But I need to say a lot of introductory things today to help frame our understanding of what's actually happening here. So let's go ahead. We're going to read 18 uh, uh, verses from starting with uh, verse 1. It says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called uh, uh, Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed, one who was there had been uh, an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Now this, this man who's lying on the mat for 38 years is, is the first character of this story. Okay. And uh, 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 sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. Now let me pause here. Um, this translation skips verse 4 because some manuscripts have verse 4 and some don't, some of the ancient manuscripts. Essentially what he is talking about here is the fact that there were the waters were somehow stirred. Most of the commentators believe that something supernatural would happen in the waters. And whoever reached the waters first at that time, it was seldom, it was very sporadic. But whoever reached the waters first, they would receive healing. And so people would would gather around this pool for when the water stirred. 
Okay, and so now what he's saying is, is when I'm trying to get in, if the water stirs, someone else gets down there ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, exclamation point. Get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. Everyone say Sabbath. Very important for this story. And so the Jewish leaders, here's the second characters of the story. Um, and so the, the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath, the law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Now look up here for a second. This is very important. And we're not going to talk about this in the message. But what happens is, is Jesus tells this man after being, after being invalid for 38 years, he says, get up and walk. And the man leaves. And then when Jesus walks back in the temple, most commentators believe that the man was, was laying down on a mat and begging again. Because that's all he knew. You see? One of the things that is important, the message is not about this, but it's very, very important to understand that God can change a person's body, but not necessarily their heart. You see? And what we want is, to God, is for God to change our hearts. How many would say amen? Very, very important as we look at this story, you see, because this story is about the heart. Even though our God is in the healing business. How many would say amen? In the name of Jesus, we lift up our hands and pray and we believe for his mighty power to be released. God is able. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still heals. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So, but he's saying to him, hey, hey, you don't need to be begging now. You need to live. You see? So now it says... So because Jesus was doing these things, uh, uh, the man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. He says, that's him. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. They were, they were angry about it, about a miracle. Okay. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day. Obviously, Jesus is the third character of the story. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even, even calling God his father and making himself equal with God and making himself equal with God. Now, it's important that we go back to what I said a few moments ago. This book is about elevating who Christ is. And it's a very important for us to understand that this is a universal conflict and it's a very contemporary and current conflict. If you look, I get National Geographic. Um, uh, and uh, if you look on the cover of the December issue of National Geographic, do we have that by any chance? Guess what the title story is? Is the real Jesus. You see, 2,000 years ago, they were wondering about who God is, and even today, they're still wondering about who God is. Who is the real Jesus? Now, if I could give a little of my opinion on this story, it's not very good. However, the story on the Jaguars is not pretty interesting. <laughs> Skip that one, go with the Jaguars. Okay? And we're going to talk about why that is in, in, in just a few moments. You see, leave that up for a second. This is important for us as we look at today's message. There are different things that shape the way we view life and the way we view God. 
The way we view God is the most important thing about us. It is a very important principle for us to understand that our view of God is crucial. That's why the book of John is so important because it wants to teach us that he is the exalted Christ. He is the great and mighty, the almighty God took on the form of man and walked on the earth and gave his life for us so that we could have newness of life. And he rose from the dead in power so that we could have a new life today. So that we could have Christ in us, the hope of glory. And when we say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, we know that it is true. How many know we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us? And so remember, this book is trying to shape our view of who God is. Now, I want to I wanna, uh, just use this story and talk about how our view of God can be shaped by a number of different things. And I want to put this up. Go ahead and put up the next slide for me. It's possible for our view of God to be shaped. We can develop a view of God that is based on our fears instead of his heart. Okay? Look at me for a moment. So there's this invalid for 38 years. And when he says, when he says, do you want to get healed? Okay? He, he's, he's basically saying there's no one to help me. There's no one to help me. I do want to get healed, but there's no one to help me. And in part, he's revealing a perspective that, that this man had of God. I mean, obviously, he didn't know Jesus. But see, here, he's been waiting for 38 years online as if to, to get in these waters. How many are thankful today that we don't have to wait online? Because we have a God who's willing and ready to touch us by his mighty power. But there are some people here that their view of God is based on their fears. You see, there are people here who don't really believe that God wants to heal. Who don't really believe that God is there to help. Who, who feel like they always have to wait online with God. How many know you don't have to wait online when it comes to Jesus? We have direct access to him. Very, very important. Number two, it is possible to, to develop a view of God that is based on our effort instead of his power. Okay, so now you have these Pharisees and, uh, uh, who, are, who, who took the Sabbath, which was a principle and a commandment that God gave so that we would rest. So that we would rest from our labor and commune with him. We'll talk about this a little bit more in the message. Okay. But then they took that commandment and they added about 38 different rules in regards to what a man can't do. And the whole purpose of the Pharisees in this, in, in, in this long drawn out issue regarding the Sabbath was we want to earn the, uh, the right to get to heaven, we do it by our own effort. Here's, how, here's the, the, the classic contemporary person who has this view of God. You ask them about salvation and they go, hey, I try to do good. I do good things. I give. I do this. I do that. I go to church every once in a while and I believe uh, God is going to accept me. Based on our effort. If you're here and you think that salvation that you get to heaven based on the good things that you do, you have a wrong view of God. The Bible says no one is righteous, not even one. If there was even one person who was good enough, okay, to get to heaven without the sacrifice of Christ, then Christ would not have come, but there was not even one. You see, no one is righteous, not even one. Jesus came out of pure love for us. And he gave his life driven by incredible compassion because he knew that we could not live a righteous life. But how many are thankful today that he's the God that forgives? He's the God who pays the price that we could never pay. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
How beautiful is Christianity? How beautiful is the season that we're celebrating that God came down to pay the price that we couldn't pay, to live the life that we could never live, and to open the door to heaven that we could never open on our own. No one is good enough. I'll never forget the first time I heard someone say this. Who gets into heaven? Good people or bad people? And I thought, good people, right? And the person said, neither. Just forgiven people. How many know he's rich in mercy and he loves to forgive? <laughs> Hallelujah. Very, very important view of God. We have to understand that there is no effort. It was all his effort coming down to us. By the way, all other religions, all other religions say do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that to get to him. Christianity is the only one that says, I know you can't do it, so I'm going to come down to you. Could we praise God for his love and his mercy and his kindness? <laughs> Hallelujah. And then the last thing, which is very, very important, the last thing is that it is possible to develop a view of God that is based on our understanding of life instead of his revelation of who he is. This is, this in a lot of ways is the most important facet of what, of this framework before we get into the points of the message. Throughout history, what people have done is based on what they experience, their own understanding, what they do is they form a concept of who God is based on what they experience. So, for example, thousands of years ago, I'm actually uh, um, taking a class uh, 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 on this and, and I was studying. Thousands of years ago, right, without the advancements of science and archaeology and all of these different things, uh, um, the average primitive person, especially in the Middle East, what they would do is they would form a God based on their needs. Here, here's a classic example. There were so many gods uh, 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 during the time of Christ because let's say it stopped raining. What they would, someone would say potentially, uh, um, you know what, the God of harvest is angry. And so we have to do A or B or C. In some religions, they would sacrifice children so that the God of harvest would send rain. And what they were doing is they were taking their best understanding and trying to figure out who God is. And they would, they would create idols. And they even did this in the Old Testament when Moses was gone. They made a calf and they started worshiping a calf. And, and, but, but think about this. They were like, this is our best understanding. Now, on this earth, we take cows and we use them. They serve us. But now we're going to make an image of a cow and say that this is God. Why? Because they were trying to figure out who God is. You see? And we do this. Things happen in our lives and we say God can't be this way or God can't be that way because of this or that. And the most important thing that we need to do is what we need to do is ask God to give us revelation of who he is. Because we don't know who he is, but how many know God knows who he is? And therefore, God has given us his word so that we can discover who he is. Now, one, I, wanna, I need to say two more things and then I want to pray and make two quick points, okay? So I learned this when I was in Bible school and it's important to me that every, every person... Everyone in our body, every Christian should understand this when it comes to your view of God, okay? So there's good theology. Theology is kind of how you see God, so to speak. We'll, we'll just say it that way. And then there's bad theology, and it revolves around this issue. Good theology descends from who God is. Look up here. Good theology descends from who God is. Bad theology ascends from who we are. Okay? So leave that up, please. Here's what we're saying. So uh, um, let's take the whole issue of, let's take Jonah. So someone will take the story of Jonah 
And someone will say, well, a man could not be swallowed by a fish and survive all of that and live in three days. That is a myth. Okay. Now here's what Billy, Billy Graham said about that. He said, if you say to me in the beginning of God, I can even believe that a man can swallow a whale. Because God can do all things. You see, any serious seeker of the Bible who, who gives God space to exist, it changes everything. So let's take, for example, the book of Daniel, if we had this time. The book of Daniel, hundreds of years before, before this took place, the book of Daniel literally prophesies four different empires. The Babylonian Empire, the Grecian Empire, it, the, the Roman, all of the Persian Empire, the Roman Empire, it literally prophesies. Now, someone who has a view of God that says that's, that's impossible, well, that's impossible for you and for me. But how many know that's not impossible for God because he's God? How many would say Amen. So anyone who takes a serious look at the book of Daniel, I don't care what school, what university, how many PhDs, if you would just open up your mind to the fact that just because we can't do it as human beings, how many know God can do all things because he's all powerful. If, he, if there really is a God, he's able to do all things. The reason why this is important, the reason why this is so important, I was actually talking to the pastors about this before we prayed. You see, all of your life and my life as a Christian is based on what we believe and how we view God. And so can I encourage you, let's take the series of John. Even if you're a visitor here, okay, can I encourage you, don't just read the Bible but think about the Bible. I was sharing this with the men. There are so many victories that have taken place in my life personally. The, re the reason that it happened was because the more that you think about the word of God, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and the hearing of the word of God. So some people hear a sermon and they go, good sermon. They might even come to the altar and cry. And then, then they move on to the other things. That's not the way this is supposed to be. You see, you're supposed to hear a sermon. And if you take notes, you're supposed to go home and read it. And read the verse again. Read it again. Read it every day this week. And as you read it every day, say, Jesus, I don't want to just see you in, in my head the way I've seen you. I want to see you as the God who says to people, get up, take your mat and walk. You see, you have to meditate. Listen, I wanna, I'm gonna, we're going to be talking about this at the beginning of the year, but you got to meditate. Don't let the day go by. It's good to read the Bible in the morning. Everyone read the Bible in the morning or read the Bible at night. But when you're walking through the day, don't get distracted by the ads or by your phone. Think about who Jesus is. Think about his promises. Hallelujah. It changes you. That's the way people get set free. That's the way drug addicts get free. That's the way perverts get set free. That's the way angry people get set free. That's the way tra traumatized people are, are healed by the power of God, by thinking on the word of God. The Bible says in Psalm 119 verse 45, I will walk about in freedom because I have sought out your word. You see? And so one of the things that I'm praying through this series is that we would embrace the book of John and that we would embrace the exalted Christ in the book of John. You see? Get a hold of Jesus. Get a hold of him. Get a hold of the Lord. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. There's, there's no one like him. There's no one like Jesus. You know, it's a crazy thing that when you preach, there's a certain kind of powerlessness that you feel when you preach. Because, especially in this day, 
I feel like I listen to people preach powerful messages, and sometimes I listen to people listen. And I'm wondering, Lord, are they listening with their hearts or are they listening like groupies? Don't listen like a groupie. Remember, groupies are like, ooh, mm, uh, mm. No, listen like, I need that Jesus. I need that Jesus. I need that. And praise God for a good illustration. But how many know you got to meet the Jesus behind the illustration? Praise God for good principles, but there you need to meet the person behind the principle. That's when people's lives are transformed. And here's the last thing, and then, like I said, uh, long introduction, but I was having a conversation with a brother very recently and uh, in the office. And sometimes when I talk to people, I write things on the office, and, bro- and the brother was looking at, the, at what we were talking about, the Bible, things of God. And he said to me, he was looking like this, and he said, It's hard, he said, but I love it. He said, I love it. You know why? Because he loves the truth. So look, I'm going to give you this proverb. I want to give you this very, very, this is the number one rule of counseling. Okay, this is the number one rule of receiving. It's Proverbs 27.7. If you could put this up. Okay, look at what the Bible says. It says, one who is full loathes honey from the comb. But the hungry, even what is bitter tastes sweet. All right? What does this say? Some people, when they get in the presence of Jesus, when they get in the presence of truth, they're so full of themselves that even though they're in the presence of the sweet honey of Jesus, they don't even want it. They loathe it. Then some people, sometimes Jesus has some challenging things to say, but they're so hungry that they go, I love it. That's hard, but I love it. You see, how many want to be the kind of people that say, Jesus, whatever you say, whatever you do, Lord, I love it, oh God. I love you, God. So let me just pray for a moment before I make these two simple points. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just pray that you would give us hungry hearts. Hungry hearts to know you. God, some people know you with, in a pretty shallow way with their head. Some people know you from their childhood. Some people know you in a cultural way. But, Lord, we want to know you deeply. We want to know you personally. Bless this word. Thank you for your lesson today. And, God, I pray that on these points that you would really minister to every life and every heart. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. So all of that was framing not just this story, but all of the stories of the Bible. Um, But this story is a classic example of this conflict about how people see Jesus. Now the, the, the basic thrust of this story, the main teaching of this particular story is this. Jesus is the Lord who works and he's also the Lord who gives rest. Jesus is the Lord who works, and he's also the Lord who gives rest. This is what this whole story is about. So first of all, Jesus is the Lord who works. Let's look at that for a moment. It says, so because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, let's read this together, everyone. My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. 
What does this teach us? This teaches us that Jesus is always working. Now, here's the irony of all of this. First of all, we all have to work and we all have to rest. God doesn't have to work and God never needs to rest. And yet, he's the God who works. He's the God who's always active, always moving, always helping, always sustaining, always reaching, always knocking, always trying to get near. He's always working. He said, my father is always at work to this very day. And how many know in 2017, Jesus is still working and he wants to work in every life that's right here in this room. He always works. He doesn't take a rest. It's so, uh, there's a, a, a verse in one of the Psalms that says that he never sleeps nor slumbers. Why? Because he always works. And you realize God has to, God, God for our sake, we need God to work. I had someone look this up. Did you know that if the Lord didn't work, the whole universe would collapse? Okay, if the earth was off its axis, even a, even a couple of degrees, it would be like crashing your car into an immovable barrier on a freeway. Instead of going 70 miles an hour, it would be 1,000 miles an hour. If the earth is like this, if it just went just a little bit like that. By the way, who holds all of these planets like that? Well, there's this thing called gravity. Well, who made gravity? And by the way, why do you float out there but not over here? Could it be that there was a designer? Oh, no, that, that stuff just happens. Come on. There would be tsunamis miles high. There would be massive droughts. Listen to this. Uh, the, the, the oceans that face the sun, if the earth would tip towards the sun, the oceans that face the sun would boil. The oceans facing away from the sun would freeze. The, 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 the magnetic field would be destroyed and radiation would destroy everything. If the Lord did not sustain all things. It says, it says in the book of Colossians that he upholds and sustains all things. You see, what is this book teaching us? It's teaching us to believe in the Lord who works. What he's saying is, today in your life, believe in the Lord who works. Can I tell you, it shapes everything. So, for example, today, uh, uh, before we came in here, I wrote out my tithe check. Right? And when I wrote out my tithe check, I wrote it out and I said, thank you, God. Okay? Thank you, God, for providing for me. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. I did this morning. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. Thank you for that, God. You have so blessed me. I don't take the credit. God, the work that I have is a privilege. You're the one who provides everything. You provide work. You provide energy. You do all of these things, God. I give you the credit, and I thank you for the ways that you've blessed me. And, God, I give to you because then I can also rest knowing that you're going to keep taking care of me because you promise I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You see, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. How many are thankful that he promises to take care of us? So listen, if you're here today, you need God to work. Praise God. What a great song. Lift up the name of Jesus. Praise God that he's the God that doesn't make us wait online. He's the God who works. We prayed, we prayed in the office, God, open our, uh, open our vision, open our understanding to believe you. You're the God who works. He can work in your marriage. He can work in your emotions. He can work in your life. There's nothing too hard for God. If he created all of this, how many know he can deal with our little stuff? What's big to you is tiny to him. How many would say amen? What's big to you is tiny to God. 
you know, but you don't understand. No, he does understand. He knows all things. You know, he knows all things. Oh, that, that, that kind of thing, you know, that kind of addiction no one gets free of. Oh, yes, they do. Because the Bible says whom the sun sets free is free indeed. But if you, if you see God little, you see, then obviously. But I was, I'm praying, I've been praying all week, God, elevate our view of you. You're the God who works and you're always working. You're always working, God. So that's very simply stated. I mean, we could talk a lot about this. But he doesn't sleep and he doesn't slumber. He works on behalf of those who reach out to him. Then number two, he's not just the God who works. He's the God who gives rest. Everyone say rest. Okay. God is the God. How do you rest? Here's a question for you. How do you rest? And do you really rest? Okay, do you understand what the Bible says about rest? So let's take this issue of the Sabbath and just walk through it very quickly and then we're going to pray together. So God made the Sabbath. Initially, he made the Sabbath so that men would take one day a week and rest from their labor and they would realize that their survival was placed on God's provision and not on their own effort. So God said, I want you to work for six days and on the seventh day, I don't want you to work. He didn't mean that you can't help someone. He didn't mean that you can't carry a mat if you have to carry a mat or, or Jesus talked at a certain point if your animal falls in the ditch. Say, sorry, it's the Sabbath, I can't do that. God cares about the animals. He didn't mean all of those silly rules and regulations. But what he did mean is, listen, six days work, but one day stop. Stop and think about me and remember me and connect with me and let me realign your thoughts. Let me realign your week. How many have ever heard of like a debrief meeting? Sit down with me. Debrief about the week. Talk to me. I want to talk to you. Stop. Receive. Let me feed you. That's what today is supposed to be all about. Does it mean you can't go have lunch? Does it mean you can't go watch a football game? No, it doesn't mean that. But it means that God wants you to think about him. God wants you to remember him. He wants you to acknowledge him. And so where this started was just God was saying, look, don't forget. Some people work seven days a week. I got to work. I got to work. I got to work. As if, don't you realize God is the one who's taking care of you? He's the one who makes your heart beat. Every time your heart beats, that is the loving grace of God. You see? So the, the Sabbath started first and foremost just so that people could stop and say, wait a second, God. And that's why for me, giving to the Lord is like rest for me. Because I'm like, Lord, you're the one who's provided for me. Thank you, God. I give back to you because I celebrate what you've done for me this week. Thank you, Jesus. Now listen. Secondly, it's so that man could understand that they could never labor for their salvation but only he could provide their salvation through his labor through the labor of his son Jesus another reason that we stop and we celebrate the grave could not contain the power of his name why do we sing that right we sing it because if Jesus didn't rise from the dead we would all be lost I don't know about you, but that makes me pretty happy. How many are happy that we're going to heaven? Hallelujah. Because he did the work. He rose from the dead in power. You see? And so he said, stop and remember that it's not by your effort, but it's my effort. Only through Christ can man be saved. And then, and listen, we can do a whole, we can do a six-part series, even out of Hebrews and different places. On rest, but here's the last thing. And if the singers could come, here's the last thing. He's the Lord who gives rest, and He made the Sabbath so that men would realize that they would realize that God is the one who takes care of them, that God is the one who provides salvation. Here's the last thing. 
is so that we would know that when we enter into his rest, we can live a life at rest. You see? So look, when a person gives their life to Christ, they have to exercise their minds, their bodies, energy, all sorts of stuff. But at the same time, their heart should be at rest. Is your heart at rest today? Is your life being dominated by worry? If you know Jesus, he says you don't have to worry about anything. He says don't worry, just seek first the kingdom of God and all things will be added unto you. Are you trying to take control of your own life? Don't you realize he's the God who works and he's the God who gives rest? He wants to give you rest. He, yes, do hard things happen to Christians? Very hard things happen to Christians. Do heartbreaking things happen to Christians? Yes, all terrible things can happen on this side. When we get to heaven, it'll be all perfect. But don't you realize when your life is at rest and all things are, all hell is breaking loose and things are going crazy and you're at rest, other people look at your life and they say, how do you get that rest? You say, there's a God of rest. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the Lord of rest. Hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord because he's the God who gives rest. So today, close your eyes just for a moment. Just let's take, drink this moment in. Today, there are some people here, you need God to do a work for you. Just know you're not online. With Christ, you go right to the front of the line. Today, there's some people here who need God to touch this or touch that. Well, he's the God who works. But then today, there's some people here, you're overrun by fatigue and weariness. And you think running away for six months will, will address that issue. And yes, there's physical rest, but Jesus can give you the real rest. Rest that is deep down in your soul. Rest that can, that can go work so powerfully in your heart and in your mind that when you walk around, you're walking around, you might be working, but in your heart, you're resting in Christ. And today, Part of the reason why we have the Sabbath is because that's where God does that recalibration. Where we, we start to worry and then we get back and we take a fresh look at Jesus. And then Jesus gives us rest. And if you're here today, if you're here today, we've got enough time to pray. You need God to do a work for you. Well, we want to pray today. We're going we're gonna to pray in the name of Jesus, just like the choir sang. Or, or if you're here today, uh, uh, maybe you just need God to speak a word of rest into your soul. You can't figure it out. You don't understand. There's all there's so many, so complicated, so difficult. Let me tell you, when everything gets crazy, the best thing to do is get in his presence and say, God, I need you to give me rest. That's what today is all about. Today is about Jesus wanting to work in your life and in my life and wanting to give you and give me rest. As we begin to sing, if this is the word of the Lord to you, slip out of your seat. We're going to pray together for a few moments. Leaders are going to pray. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Faithful you are Come on, lift your hands to him Faithful forever you get, will get be Get nice and close to make room Faithful you are All your promises are yes and amen all your promises are yes and amen. Come if you need prayer, just Faithful slip out of your seat. Hallelujah. If you need a touch from God, a meeting with God, slip Faithful out of your seat and come. Forever you will be faithful. 
promises of yesterday, man. All your promises are yesterday,
And God, would you stretch out your hand in power, oh God. Do the work that only you can do today in the name of Jesus. Work, oh God. Heal, transform, release, set free. Tear down a stronghold, oh God. Work, we pray. And God, we thank you that you are not just the Lord of work, but you are the Lord of the Sabbath. You are the Lord of rest. And Father, we pray for everyone who's come to the altar. But Father, I pray for everyone in this building right now. Father, would you impart your rest to our hearts, oh God. God, we come against worry. We come against fear. Oh God, we come against discouragement. We come against depression, oh God. In the name of Jesus, oh God, speak a word of rest into every life and heart. We pray, oh God, that we would walk out your promise that says, be anxious for nothing, oh God. We trust you and I pray for supernatural trust and peace to be released all over this building right now God I pray if someone is churning in their spirit Lord the same way you spoke to the sea and said peace be still speak to every heart we pray and say peace be still in the name of Jesus we thank you you're the God who works, and you're the God who gives rest. And Father, I pray that this day would be no ordinary Sunday, but that even though as we leave, there are lots of things that, uh, that we have to do. Some people have to do laundry, Lord. Some, someone has to cook dinner. Someone has a chore, oh God. But I pray that no matter what we're doing, that our hearts are connected and communing to you, with you, God. Bless this day. Let it be a day when we commune with you and our hearts and our vision is shaped not by what we see, but by who you are. We thank you for this time together in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Could we give God a hand of praise? Come on, let's praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. Come on, greet one another on your way out. We hope to see you Tuesday. God bless you, everyone.